Welcome to the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast, your connection to all the latest industry trends, insights, and points of view on the mortgage market from Freddie Mac leaders and other industry experts. Welcome to the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast. This is your host, Liz McGavro with Freddie Mac. The scope of today's housing affordability crisis is complex, and the solutions are often rooted in industry collaboration and partnership. My guests today are all too familiar with the unique affordability challenges facing so many Americans and have collectively worked on a solution benefiting the entire affordable lending ecosystem. In 2018, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA, Freddie Mac, and Fannie Mae initiated a three-year plan to improve how the industry helps borrowers challenged with limited English proficiency to navigate the home buying process. Together, the three entities execute on this by creating a repository known as the Mortgage Translations Clearinghouse. It holds translated mortgage-related terms, documents, and homeownership resources in the several languages representing some of the largest population and cultural segments within the United States. Since the start of this plan, additional languages and resources have been added to the LEP Clearinghouse to help consumers understand topics such as fraud avoidance, foreclosure prevention, financial wellness, and mortgage options. The result has been a resource that has tremendously helped lenders, servicers, housing counselors, real estate professionals, and other industry stakeholders better serve LEP borrowers. So it's my pleasure to be joined today by Sika Pryor, the Senior Policy Analyst for the Office of Housing and Regulatory Policy at FHFA, Jonathan Lawless, Vice President of Product Development and Affordable Housing at Fannie Mae, Mike Dawson, Vice President of Strategy and Policy within Client and Community Engagement here at Freddie Mac, and Hope Atul, Executive Director of the Asian Real Estate Association of America. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks. Yes, great to be here. Thank you. Of course. So it's rare that we have an opportunity to sit down with several stakeholders at once and hear their visions for how we're solving real challenges. So thank you all so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I'd like to start off with some brief background on the initiative and its direction. So I'll turn to Sika. Sika, can you briefly share how this plan came to fruition? Sure. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA, embarked on this project formally in 2017. And basically what we were looking at is the challenges that limited English proficiency borrowers face when engaging in the mortgage process. We used several components to to achieve where we are today, um, including research that we did. And we looked at U.S. census data to realize that or recognize that the, the top languages that are spoken in this country or in the United States are Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, and Tagalog. We also did outreach, both in individual discussions and through a request for input. We also did outreach to both trade associations, nonprofits, lenders, servicers, state and federal agencies, housing counseling agencies, as well through individual discussions, as well as through a request for input. But what I'm most proud of is our outreach directly to limited English proficiency borrowers. And there was a report or several reports generated from that outreach. And what we found is that a lot of borrowers are unaware of the resources that are available. But we also discovered, and I think this is where we landed with the Mortgage Translations Clearinghouse, is not only were they not aware of the resources, but 
that the resources were scattered. So they were in different places and hard to find. And so in 2018, we developed a multi-year plan of FHFA, Fannie and Freddie. And there are particular elements of the plan that I want to highlight. One of the biggest elements of the plan, at least in my mind, is this language access working group. And so we do engage with the same organizations, trade associations, housing counseling agencies, other nonprofits, as well as lenders and servicers through a language access working group, and Hope can attest to that. We also, through this language access multi-year plan, developed the mortgage translations website. And so we've since added mortgage documents and borrower educational resources and glossaries in Spanish, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, and Tagalog. And so we've added those in a particular timeline. We started with Spanish in 2018. We added Chinese in 2020. And in late 2020, we added the additional languages as well as resources for COVID-19. Hey, Sika, you did a good job covering all the outreach, but the one thing I was going to say, too, is in a lot of cases, we don't even have to do outreach. We get, I'm sure where you sit, a lot of people are reaching out to you before you That's reach true. out to them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which is great. You know, we really appreciate the the work that consumer advocates and others do to just bring these types of issues to our attention so that they can get addressed. I know we've gotten a ton of phone calls leading up to the decision to move forward on this. That's right, Jonathan. As those calls come in, it just goes to the fact that I know we're all advocates of launching something and adjusting to what we're hearing. And it's provided terrific opportunities from almost all players in the mortgage ecosystem to explore other solutions and other ways of reaching out to customers and clients. I'm a big believer in launching and adjusting. And I think we've seen from our experience With the effort of providing mortgage translations documents, the feedback we're getting from customers in the form of how they could use the documents and how they can even expand on the documents to provide other services and other material to their clients has proven to be very successful. That's great information. So how have you built upon these initial plans based on the industry feedback that you've received and and the needs that you're continuing to define along the way? As I mentioned, our customers have been looking to not only use the documents that are available, but are looking to extend in using their own translated services in some cases to provide, whether it be filling in some gaps that they see or other opportunities in the markets that they participate in. But in particular, you know, the wealth of documents available not only serve from an origination standpoint, it serves from a borrower education and providing ways of reaching out to housing counseling organizations, getting the facts on home ownership, credit building, buying a home. It gives you the full suite of activity in a variety of languages that support the day-to-day activity from not only from searching a home, but going through the origination and borrowing process itself. You know, Sika talked about this group that we bring together and, you know, we hear very straight talk, which is great. I'll say one of the big pivots, and this is a, a thank you to FHFA. So FHFA did a great job this year recognizing that with what's happening with COVID, it becomes really important for us to make a pivot and start translating documents that might support 
uh, in that time period, you know, like what's going on right now. And so, um, you know, that, that was a loud and clear one, but, you know, at all times we were getting feedback. Some people didn't know the documents were there. How do we raise awareness better? And so the group and all the outreach that FHFA has helped coordinate has been really tremendous in helping us, you know, make those quick adjustments that Mike has been talking about. That's a great segue to my next question. So, and, and you started to answer it a little bit, John, but what other clan opportunities might exist particularly in our post-COVID-19 environment. I do agree with Mike and Jonathan about the great work that FHFA has done. You know, it was a multi-year project that started in 17, and I do remember FHFA reaching out to ARIA and various trade groups and counseling agencies about this really huge undertaking to put together all of these language resources in one portal. And, you know, it's a trade organization that has been asking for in-language materials. I think at first we were very skeptical about this because direct translations of financial terms and what have you can be very tricky. But they did a lot of research and homework and did quite a number of survey to direct borrowers. So I applaud the combined work that FHFA has done with Freddie and Fannie, as well as not just the lending institutions and the banks, but other organizations like ARIA. It's a great resource for LEP borrowers. And I think that it's something that will truly increase homeownership rates for our community moving forward. And thanks, Hope. I just want to make sure that I mention that we have done a lot of work in partnership with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, as well as HUD, just to echo what Hope's comments about this collaborative effort, because it really has been a collaborative effort over the years. In developing the glossaries, we made it a point to work with the Library of Congress, which was both, you know, an agency that both FHFA and CFPB engaged for the glossaries, really to sort of at least have us on the same page in terms of translated financial terms that live in the glossaries. So I wanted to make mention of that. Great. So I would love to expand on something that John started talking about earlier about client opportunities. I'd love to hear about what additional client opportunities you feel exist in this space, particularly in a post-COVID-19 environment. So I'll turn to Mike and John to expand on that. Sure, Liz. I think one of the things, whether it be during COVID-19, the situation we're in today or after, hopefully we'll see a little light at the end of the tunnel here, is in the form of providing trusted information to our borrowers. I think all of us are concerned about a borrower who is searching for information, particularly those borrowers who may be in financial stress or looking for options relative to their mortgage. And in any market environment, looking for resources, looking for information, looking to where they can make that first phone call to seek advice, to talk to their servicers, to get information of different options that could provide them with either payment relief or different types of mortgage repayment options available to them. And as Sika mentioned, all of our partners in this effort were all aligned in the form of how do we reach 
the individual borrower with that trusted information. Yeah, Mike, I, you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of just, I mean, COVID right now is just such a scary moment for a lot of people and figuring out where you can find somebody that has trustworthy information is just really critical. And I mean, not just during COVID, when people have their own financial issues and are struggling to make their payments, I mean, that's their own personal crisis, right? And they're looking for somebody to help. I hate to say it because we're all sort of in the industry, but we don't exactly have a glowing viewpoint from consumers that finance is easy to understand. Sometimes I feel like we're speaking even a different language than English when we get into all the acronyms and the things that we talk about. So for anybody that doesn't live and breathe this stuff every day, It's scary stuff. And one thing I'll say is just in terms of client opportunities, in addition to how Mike points out, like helping people when they're in need, giving them the right information. I mean, for lenders out there who are thinking how to serve new customers, open up new markets, find new leads, the power of being able to approach somebody in their own terms and connect to them with something as powerful as their own language, in my opinion... I actually don't speak another language. I, I sign another language. I grew up in a house with deaf parents. And so we use sign language, and which made me the de facto interpreter everywhere we went when I was a kid. But the instances where my parents would walk into a place and somebody at the register or at the bank would be able to use sign language, you know, the, the joy on their face when they see that sort of connection point, they've got a customer for life. And so being able to leverage these tools when we go into maybe a post-COVID, post-refi market where lenders are, again, really focused on helping first-time home buyers, these toolkits are just, I think, a really powerful way for people to build relationships and get a whole new client base that they might not have had access to before. Thanks, Jonathan. That's really insightful. And to really just bring it home to both the organizations, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, how are you both, Mike and John, approaching gaining additional insights on how to better serve LEP households and inform specific topics and new resources? Sure. From our perspective, and I think from everybody's perspective here, is that, you know, we're all data and research driven, right? It's what's going on in the market around us. What are we learning from various research institutions and our own economists and other researchers within our organizations? And so many of you, if not all of you, have seen the statistics associated with Hispanic household growth. It's going to continue to outpace the overall U.S. household growth in the United States. And in national housing surveys, 88% of Hispanics agreed that owning a home is the best investment plan, and they are better off owning as opposed to renting. And Asian Americans are expected to account for 2.2 million or so of the nation's 13.6 million of new households being formed up through 2025. And even looking at the 2018 Census Bureau information, you know, what I found interesting that in 2018, there were 229 cities in which more than one in three residents spoke a language other than English at home. And some of these places may be surprising to you all, such as Providence, Rhode Island, 50% of residents were speaking a language other than English in their home. Allentown, Pennsylvania, 48%. Germantown, Maryland, 46%. Centerville, Virginia, which is just down the road from me here, is 44%. And Springdale, Arkansas, 35%. So if you look at it at the local level, And the form of language being spoken at home other than English, it just shows the diversity, not only across the country, certainly that uh, we're all, we are all seeing, but even at the local home ownership and local home opportunity level here, that's where 
working with loan officers, real estate professionals, and others can really use this type of insight, Census Bureau information, the Freddie Fannie research in this space to leverage these opportunities here and also seek out other opportunities based on the clientele or potential clientele in some of these areas. Yeah, that's awesome, Mike. And I'll go back to something that Hope said earlier, which is, uh, or maybe with Sika, that this has been just a great journey for all of these organizations to work together. I mean, you know, Fannie and Freddie are usually on different sides of, uh, of the river, as we say in DC, but in this case, we've been working really hard and sharing the research. But at the end of the day, the research that we've done, both in terms of what Mike talked about, in terms of what we see in cities and what we see in the data, the other part of this that is just absolutely critical, and a lot of listeners out there might be familiar with sort of the concept of design thinking, the approach begins with just sitting with the people that you're trying to design for and really understanding what their needs are by observing their needs. And so, you know, even starting with the group that we mentioned earlier, where we get folks like Hope who can come in and give us like the stories on the ground, like how people are interacting with the mortgage market, what their questions are, right? Those things are all really, really important. In addition to the data to figuring out like, what's the best way for us to connect to market? I mean, I'll tell you, I'm just a guy who speaks English sitting in Washington, DC, which is a bizarre city to begin with, but clearly like just sitting in my office, I'm not going to have the insights I need to be able to serve this market. This market's unique. It's different. The needs aren't going to be something that you can read and find in a book. Just I, I can't emphasize more the importance of getting on the ground, talking to folks like Hope, and understanding what the real needs are. That is so true for many um, Americans, including myself. It's probably the largest transaction that I will ever make in my life. And I remember when I purchased my home here in San Diego five years ago, the amount of disclosures and documents that I had to read, it felt like they didn't want me to buy a home. And that's, you know, for someone who can actually understand English, let alone for someone who is limited with their English proficiency, it's a very scary circumstance when you can't really fathom or even understand what you're trying to read. And to commit to 30 years is certainly even scarier. So I think the portal, the clearinghouse, and all that we're doing to support LEP borrowers is a fantastic way to say that we care for them as consumers and as borrowers. Absolutely. And all of that conversation really underscores the importance of being able to really understand directly from a specific community what their obstacles are. So can you tell us how the Clearinghouse has been of value to real estate professionals in the Asian American community? Yes, absolutely. I I think that the use of the materials and the resources found in the Clearinghouse is making definitely progress for translation services for limited English proficiency. Now, there's going to be a lot of work, and I think it was John or Mike who mentioned this, because it it all boils down to trust. And for a lot of Asian Americans, particularly for those who are foreign-born, they're very skeptical about translation services, whether it's something that they've had a previous bad experience or they've been scammed. So when a translation like this, like a clearinghouse is coming from a governmental agency, there's a lot more trust. And so we're trying to kind of like assimilate and distribute this information, not just to our realtor-based membership, but also to their clients. And it is important because I think 
it was our president, Tom Trong, who will tell this story when he was seven or eight years old, accompanying his mom when they were buying a home. And this was 30, 40 years ago in uh, Massachusetts, because there weren't really translators or translation services that were provided at that time. And so he was the one who had to translate those mortgage documents, disclosures, those you know, borrower rights. And at seven or eight years old, you know, you trust this little kid. And that story is very common within the Asian American community, right? They will either take their children or family member, or in some instances, somebody from church that they trust to translate those because it is a large transaction. You're putting your trust into this person who's telling you what you're going to be obligated and what your responsibilities are for the next 30 years. So translations like these, support for LEP borrowers like these are very, very important for our community. And what has the community's feedback been? It has actually been great, and I'm glad that it was FHFA did a multi-year approach, starting with, I believe, Chinese first, and then Vietnamese, followed by Korean and Tagalog, looking at the U.S. Census Bureau's data on languages, foreign languages that are spoken. And it's been an incremental launch, which again is very helpful because we can work with different segments of our membership to introduce the language that they've added to the portal. It's very helpful. One of the more common questions that we get as a trade organization that works with realtors and also consumers is, where can I find translated documents? That's fairly common question that we get on our website and also phone calls. And that's why we had posted a direct link on our homepage on the clearinghouse. So it's a direct access to folks who come to our website and look for these type of resources. And I'm glad that we've also been able to have resources that are available during the pandemic for those who have been impacted by COVID. So it's been positive so far. So we're looking for more ways to be able to promote this, whether it's consumer or home buyer fairs. We weren't able to do that a limited basis this year because of the pandemic, but we do want to make sure that consumers and also real estate professionals who are part of the organization continue to be aware of this resource. Thanks, Hope. That's a great segue into my very last question. So I'd love to ask each of you to share the number one avenue for increasing participation in the clearinghouse across different segments. Well, I'll start there, Liz. I think for at least from the FHFA's perspective, I think it's very important that we stay in communication and partnership with both HUD and CFPB because it is sort of a shared audience. We think they can be very helpful in making sure that the information is out there and available, for instance, to housing counseling agencies related to HUD and certainly to direct to consumers, which would be CFPB. So we think it's important that we can continue working and strengthening our partnerships there to spread the word about the resources. You know, one of the things that particularly in listening to my colleagues here, you know, we got a variety of perspectives. You heard Sika talk about perspectives related to CFPB, certainly FHFA, HUD, and others, of what they're doing, what they look at from the standpoint of supporting limited English proficiency and other avenues of supporting the borrower. 
we hear Jonathan's experience uh, growing up and certainly his uh, wealth of experience at Fannie Mae, that's perspective there and certainly Hope's perspective in the form of her organization and the stories uh, she reviewed there. And it, it provides me the opportunity to be in other people's shoes here at the individual level too, to get the experience uh, again of what we should be solving for at the individual experience level here and what solutions can we offer so from my perspective, this discussion has been fantastic. I like that perspective, Mike. That's, uh, that's great. I, you know, when we talk about usage of this resource and what we can do moving forward, one that I think is obvious and, and Hope talked about efforts that she's doing, but we live in a noisy, complex world and the mortgage market itself is noisy and complex. And so just making sure people even know it's there is a real challenge. And so just continuing to spread the word. I know a lot of folks in the audience have come to this because they're aware of it, but you know, the the help that you can provide who are listening, just telling other people, making other people in your organization aware, that's really tremendous because that's really the way the word's going to spread uh, the most effectively. And then the only other thing I'll mention, and just because I know a lot of lenders are listening, is just there is a lot of scrutiny and legal oversight for very good reason to ensure that people who don't speak English as their first language are not mistreated. So I think also lenders getting comfortable with what's the right safeguards to put in place so that they're using this in a way that is correct and right it is going to be really helpful. So again, awareness and the rules of the road, getting comfortable with how to use these documents appropriately in the market. I think those are kind of the two things that I would mention. If I can answer that question, you know, kind of like the avenue for increasing participation in different segments, Asian Americans are they over-index when it comes to the use of technology. Most of our community members have technology in the home. I think we love technology, but it's also a way for us to connect with family members and other relationships across the globe. I think there is an opportunity to promote awareness of this clearinghouse through the use of technology, whether it's websites of counseling and financial groups or lending institutions, I think, John and Mike, that you have mentioned earlier. That's why we as an organization have decided to make sure that it's front and center of all of our digital marketing efforts is because we know how our community members are big consumers of technology. I think the different stakeholders should look at ways to promote this. That's probably one of the things that I would say would increase the participation and usage of this particular clearinghouse. That's great. Thank you all so much for sharing your insights. And thank you for sharing the creation and evolution of this amazing resource that is making home possible for so many. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Liz. Thank you. Sika, John, Hope, Mike, it's really been my pleasure talking with you today. Thank you for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please make sure to subscribe to Home Starts Here so you don't miss an episode and share with your friends. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast. Stay tuned and subscribe to catch additional interviews with key industry leaders and experts. Home Starts Here is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you rating, reviewing, and sharing with your network.